Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today we got a doozy. We have Cooper Skelton. He's a producing branch manager of First Trust Home Loans. And in his second year of business last year, he closed 110 transactions personally with about 165 uh, for his team. So I'm super excited to have him here. He's also been a, a client of ours for, for a while now. So I just uh, excited to kind of chat with him and, and learn a little bit about his secrets of closing all those loans, man. So what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, not too much. Uh, dealing with the same thing that everybody else is in the industry right now. You know, rates are going up, world's going to, you know, going to crap. And, uh, you know, if you read the news, you know, the world's coming to an end, but for, for loan officers every day, you know, it's, it's business as usual. So, yeah, man, absolutely, and and, that, and I think that's what's what's kind of set you apart uh, from a lot of people that are kind of starting out. Is uh, you know you've you've definitely done a little bit of grinding uh, through the years. But before we get to that, talk to me a little bit about uh, you know just give us a little background about you, who you are, man, where you where you're from, all that kind of fun stuff. So I'm uh, originally uh, from Jonesboro, Arkansas. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but we're about an hour from Memphis, two hours from Little Rock. Um, graduate Arkansas State University. You know, go Red Wolves. Um, I got in the business, uh, in, uh, October of 2019, I got my license to be a loan officer in February, 2020. I spent three months as another loan officer's, uh, loan officer assistant. That was a lot of fun. No, I'm sure you love that. Uh, yeah. You know, walking in 10 manual underwrites, you know, that's, that, that was my, um, you know, introduction to the business. Uh, this guy was doing a lot of volume and needed help. And so he brought me on and, and I pretty much, you know, it's pretty much like here are the guidelines go. And so um, that's what I did. In my former career, um, I was uh, an assistant buyer and buyer for for Dillard's. You know, a lot of your mm-hmm. clients know where that is, where they're a huge retailer in the South. And um, so I got to bring a, a sense of animal, uh, uh, analytical skill and the, and the customer service to the mortgage business. Um, I have a degree in finance. And so I, I understand, you know, the banking side just a little bit better. And uh, it, it's, I got licensed in February, 2020, right when COVID hit and everything shut down and, you know, the, what they were telling me is, Hey, go out and ask real estate agents for, for business, go sit down and do it. And then nothing happened. And so, um, you know, closed my first loans in uh, April of 2020 and um, never looked back. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's uh, and it's funny because we got introduced via kind of a you know a different uh, person that we were working with at the time. Um, and I know that that's uh, you know you, you were seeing a lot of success, um, you know, w- with our lead service and things like that as well that mm-hmm. other people weren't having. And but I don't even want to get into that because we'll we'll talk a little bit about your your follow up stories and things like that. But uh, yeah, man, t- like what what do you think? What would you say is kind of what made you uh, you know successful throughout that time? Like what would you kind of is there if there's anything you can pinpoint? Um, follow up. If I can give anybody kind of, if you're in sales and I was in sales in my former career, you know, I, I sold a product not a lot of people wear and it's all about follow-up. You know, if, if someone reaches out to you and you can't get to them right there, answer your phone, follow up, follow up, follow I don't care if you have to call someone, you know, 
three times a day, every day for, you know, a year, always do it. My, my, my favorite success story that I ever tell, and it doesn't have to do with mortgages. This has to deal with in my former career when I was in college and I was selling suits and sport coats at Dillard's in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, I had this little guy that came uh, to my sales floor. His daughter was going to Arkansas State and he lived in Oxford, Mississippi. Short little guy. Remind me a lot of, um, if he ever sees this, he's going to kill me for it. Um, <laughs> remind me a lot of the penguin from the original Batman movies. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. Need custom, need custom made clothing every day. Um, didn't buy anything that day. I followed up with this guy every week for a year before he gave me the opportunity to, to do him a custom-made suit. And when he did give me the opportunity to do a custom-made suit for him, I literally, he said, I love it. I need a new suit. I can't make it to Jonesboro. I said, no problem. I'll come to you. So I packed up about 15 sizes in the back of my Jeep with a bunch of swatches, drove to Oxford, Mississippi, and fit this guy for a custom suit. When it came in, he bought six more from me. But it took wow. a year of me consistent. And it was in my calendar. Now, I put it in my calendar, follow up, you know, with this guy. And I did it. It's the same thing. I had his birthday and it wasn't, you know, eventually it became organic. Um, that's the first thing. The, the second thing goes to in life, um, make friends, not sales. People want to go shopping with friends. Um, if every one of my clients, I kind of view, I try to make them my friend first. You know, one of the guys that I'm doing a loan for right now, it'll be my third loan for him in two years. And he is sending me more referral business because he works for a very large retailer that's based out of here in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I love him to death because we, we've kind of connected you know, just for, you know, a happy birthday. We've played golf a couple of times. And so if you can really make those relationships organic and truly make friends, not view everybody as just a, hey, I'm making $1,200 or fifteen or $2,000 commission off of you. You know, you mm -hmm. really make, that's where your business really grows. And those are the relationships that will pay off years and years and years down the road. So that, those are my two things. Make friends, not sales and follow up. I, I love that, man. And, and and just to kind of piggyback on that, that uh, follow up thing. I know we, we spoke a while back um, and oh. you had kind of brought up the story about the, yeah. the follow up. So, so, so tell, so, so tell people <laughs> that are worried about following up too much, your story that you told me just so I don't want to even like leak, leak okay. any of the, uh, right. you know, the details. So, I just feel like it's such a good story. So I know you've told this story and I've told this story two or three times. And I tell my story, this story to every new loan officer that I ever meet. So uh, about three weeks in the business was when we got connected up with you guys. And the first lead that came through with this lady in Little Rock that told me on the on the lead on the survey sheet that she was looking for a $150,000 to $200,000 house. Credit score was 620 to 680. She had five dollars to $7,500 to put for a down payment. She was looking within the one next, next one to three months. I said, okay, I'm a broke loan officer. I really don't have anything in the pipeline. I'm going to get a hold of this, this woman. I called her three times a day. I texted her three times a day, not knowing the CRM was also, I didn't know what a CRM was back then, but right. the CRM was texting too. Three times a day text, three times a day for a phone call, every day for 90 days. The only reason I stopped is she went and filed the restraining order against me. And I was, my branch manager called me in the office at the time and said, uh, love the enthusiasm. You gotta back off a little bit. So- <laughs> 
If you're wondering what too much follow-up looks like, there's a line between follow-up and harassment. It needs to be right. That that gray area, you got to do. You can never follow up enough. Let them tell you no. Let them tell you no, not once, not twice, three times. When they tell you no three times, I think that's the time when it's really time to back off. Even on the leads that, you know, that we got back in October and November and December, we're still calling those people. We're right. letting, even if we haven't got a hold of them now, we're still, call, are you still in the market for a house? Are you still looking to refinance? We're calling some of them that need to refinance. Even some of the older leads that we got that we already closed, like last year, we're calling them back and say, hey, um, we're pulling their files up. Look, the market's appreciated 18% in the past two years. Why don't we take some of that 18 some of that equity that you have? Let's do a cash out refi and pay off some of this other debt and change your total net cash flow for your household. Does that, you know, does that work for you? And come up with different strategies. Man, I I love all that. And and I think what's the funniest about all of that is that, you know, as far <laughs> as I know, you you went and framed that and put it on your wall, which so, she yeah, you know, just a my, testament to the to the savage so, you are. <laughs> so my my wife framed it. It's okay. hanging in my in my office. It's in a, it's hanging there. It's I think it's hanging in there. It's yeah, it's on one of my it's right above my TV in my office. Um, or where I'm going to hang my TV in my office. But uh, for every new loan officer that I hire and I say, look, this is the gold standard. If you're not willing to do that, you don't need to be in this business. You know, guys want to get in this business because they think they can make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money in this business. Right. But you got to put in the work. 100%. If you're not willing to put in the work, if you're not willing to make those extra phone calls, then, you know, you're probably not meant to be it because- we get paid premiums for a reason. And right. um, that's kind of my viewpoint. Now, everyone thinks I'm joking when I when I say that. But when I'll go through and when I was calling leads every day and I still do a little bit, um, I block out you know time in my calendar to do so. And you and I were talking about this a minute ago, you yeah. know, for if you're going to call somebody that can afford a $400,000 house and you're calling them in the middle of the day, they probably don't have time to talk to you then. You know, when right. they do have time to talk to you, 5.30 on the way home while they're sitting in the car and they're pondering their thoughts and they're relaxing. That's the time to call them. Call them right. on the weekend. Call them on Saturday. Call them on Sunday. No, don't call them Sunday morning while they're sitting in church because we, we I, I, that was my biggest issue because I was wanting to call them before and after church. You heathen? But, uh, what? I said, you heathen? I literally had a lady literally <laughs> tell me, uh, she goes, I'm about to go sing in the choir, but can you call me here at two 30 when we get back? Like, sure. I'll be happy to do that. And, uh, you know, you got to strategize when you make these phone calls. Don't just sit down on a random day. I'm going to call all my leads to right this second. No, be smart about your time. You know who you should be calling during those work hours during the day. You can call your referral partners. The referral partners are the ones you need to be calling during the day, your leads, in the, in the weird hours when they're not working. Like I know one of the ones that, we, that we're doing right now is the teachers. You know, we're trying to market teachers. My wife is a teacher. I know exactly when she, when teachers are available to talk, you know when they're not available to talk at 1030 in the morning while they got a class full of screaming kids. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Same as mine. My teacher's also, and my teacher, my wife's also a teacher and the same thing, yeah. right? Like she barely can, can, you know, touch her phone during the day. Cause obviously, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're they're teaching and stuff like that. Then healthcare professionals, you know, some of these different professions and, and regardless of, of it. And, and we talk a little bit about this in our training is, is, you know, your perfect prospects require persistent professionals um, mm-hmm. and your perfect prospects are also not going to be the desperate ones that, you know, and so you got to think about like, what, what is the psychology of the, of your perfect prospect? And those are going to be people that have money, that have down payment, that have good jobs, that, that have families, that have these things that are, that are going to keep them occupied. And so if you think that by calling them once, twice, three times and calling them in the middle of the day, when they're also at work, if that's going to see success, it doesn't matter what lead source that you're using, you're not going to see success, right? There, there has to be that persistent follow-up. Is there actually such thing as a perfect prospect? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's got a history. The people that are reaching out to you, and I'll explain this to another person that's that's doing a lead generation, not with you, but I gave him your number. Um, yes, he, go. He, he's based over in Tennessee. He goes, man, I just, he's using, I'll just say, he's using Op City. Let's just, okay. let's just do it like that. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he's like, I, I can't, I can't get people on the phone. You know, nobody's got good credit. Nobody's got, I was like, man, I want you to think about this. People that use, that you, that fill out those surveys, they're, you are their Hail Mary to try and get, because somebody has told them no. A bank loan officer that, you know, we that work for the mortgage banks, we operate, you know, banks like things in pretty little boxes. We know how to operate because we're skilled professionals. We know how to operate outside those gray boxes where, you know, do you have perfect credit? No. Do you have all your down payment money? No. Do you have a little bit higher DCIS? That's where we can come in and structure a loan a certain way to make sure that eh, this is what we need to do. When you're when the bank that's super conservative told you no, let me take a look and let me see if there's a way. Now is it going to work every time? Absolutely not. Are you going to get the budget that you previously wanted? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know because there's so many things that go in there. But sure. if I can figure a way out to get you approved for this loan, is that better than nothing? Because think about it this way. How does it appreciate 18%, right? Over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do over the next three years? So for you to just th- for the borrowers that are just throwing their hands up, and say, I'm done. I'm out. Guess what? Rent is 100 percent interest. Right. And that 18 percent increase in equity, you're not taking advantage of it right now. And two years ago, when you jump back in the market, that's money you've lost out on in equity within that house. Sure. As opportunity oh. costs. Yep, exactly. Then that's a better way of saying it. Yeah, no, no, no. But obviously, you know, from from a you know, in layman's terms, that's actually the better way, right? And I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday, but it's all around like having these conversations, especially when you're talking with consumers, is having these conversations at, at the level that they understand. I think so many times people try to, you know, they say, Oh, I educate my buyers, I educate my people. And it's like, well, the truth is you're probably just confusing your people because you're talking about DTI, LTV, whatever other BRBs, uh, you know, all the, all the other um, yeah. acronyms that they don't have any idea what that is. And so what it does is confuse them. And I love that you talked about, you know, ultimately what you're, you're going at is you're serving people because these are people at the other end of the line, right? These are not, these are not just numbers and some random robot somewhere. Like these are people. And like we you said, a lot of times, go ahead. We, we as loan officers need to have the hearts of teachers, I right. try and explain to people, look, even if I'm on the phone, I'm doing a loan right now for a couple. They got their, they went our contract today. It's not for very much. And it's their first home that they've ever bought. But I have literally 
sat down and spent an hour and a half on the phone with them and explained everything along the way because they're scared. They've never done this before. And so I remember what I was like when I first and I I had all these questions and I remember my loan officer throwing things at me like I didn't know an inspection or a prey. I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. So that's one thing that I want to do. I want to educate you along the way. That way, the next time you get a mortgage, whether it would be me or somebody else, you are an educated person and you know what questions to ask. You know what to look for. We will go through like on one that I'm getting ready to do this afternoon, the final settlement CD, because I just saw the notification come through on my email. Final settlement CD on one of my borrowers just got issued. I'm going to call them this afternoon. We're going to walk through that final settlement CD point by point by point. And I'm going to explain to them, this is what this is. This is what this Remember when I told you at the very beginning, this is your loan estimate. This is your final settlement CD. I'm going to explain to them. The one thing that I love is that I try and get my final settlement CDs to match as closely as I can to that original loan estimate. Sure. Because the last thing changes the one thing. They all say, man, why did my closing costs go up? Go up $2,000 or go down $1,000. No, 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 no. I want it consistent. Consistency is the one thing that will smooth over a transaction more than anything. Consistency and open communication with your loan officer. And so, because there's a lot more first time homebuyers out there that have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's, that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, 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 just to kind of go back to what I was saying is like, I actually back, I did a, I did a refi in 2021 and I've been in this mortgage industry. I worked for a mortgage lender for for four and a half years. I work with loan officers every single day. And like, I got my, I got my LE and my CD and stuff. And I was like, what in the world does this even mean? Like, what does this stuff mean? And I literally, I'm in, I'm, I'm very aware of the language that is used in the space, but like, I'm a, I was a consumer and, and you got to think about that the average consumer doesn't even know as much as I do. And so, you know, if me, someone who's in, deeply involved in the mortgage industry is confused about these, these things, how is everybody else feeling? And, and, and you think about also the way that Rocket Mortgage, and I talk about this all the time because people always want to, you know, talk crap about Rocket Mortgage, but like the truth is they understand human psychology. Whether they deliver on what they promise is another story. You know, whether they're, whether the, what's best for the, the consumer, that's another story. But what they do they're able to tell the bear, hey, push button, get mortgage, which is what ultimately the the human wants. Human psychology wants something that's easy. They don't, you know, they think a mortgage transaction is complicated, which it is, right? But how do you simplify the process? How do you create similar marketing and but also, you know, create the processes that that are going to create the same experience with these people? And the other thing too, I mean, you talked about you've done three loans for the same same guy plus referrals, right? You got to think about this as instead of a transaction, you're thinking about this as a long-term thing, right? Because most of these guys are going to buy, you know, most people are, I think, move every five to seven years and do five to seven lifetime transactions. So how do you capture those five to seven transactions? Not how do I get one deal? Like one deal, yeah, cool. You're thinking super short term. But again, as we're coming into a market where it's going to take sometimes three or six months for someone to get into contract, you have to continue to build that pipeline for the future because yeah. more than more than ever, you have to have bigger pipelines because, you know, you know I think you talked about, you know, the, the, I don't remember a couple of months ago, you had said you had a massive pipeline and you just can't get anybody in a contract. And so it's like, well, you know, just keep growing that because eventually they're going to start closing, right? The the thing that I do is um, I remember I tell you, I map out my time. So any loan officer that doesn't sit down and I do this, I sit down on Sunday afternoons, usually right after church. And I take about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and I map out my week. This is when I'm going to do this. this And I do my bet. It doesn't always work, but I do my best to stick to that pipeline. One of the things I do is every week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 
I literally say a third of my pipeline, I'm going to reach out to either by text message or phone call, just, hey, how's house shopping going? Hey, are you getting, having a luck finding thing? Do we need to reevaluate? You know, do we need to look at maybe doing a conventional versus an FHA? Or are the houses, are the houses you look looking for, you need to pay your own closing costs. Okay. Maybe then we need, we do a lot of USDA loans here in Arkansas because most of the state qualifies for it. Do we need to look at doing something like a USDA loan for you? Um, What can I do to help you get under contract? I've even gone, gone so much as to do it. Like I had one borrower who they made an offer on a couple of houses and they didn't get interest. I just don't get why they, they won't accept our offer. I said, okay, the next one you find, let me know which, what the address is. And I'll send the pre-approval. And when I send the pre-approval, I'm going to call the listing agent and I'm going to map through how your transaction will flow through and work and try to convince them to accept your offer because it will be so smooth. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Love that. Love it. So I've never had a loan officer call me and say, and go to bat for their clients before, but we're in unprecedented times. But, you know, reaching out to your borrowers and just having those conversations, again, make friends, not sales. I love you know, that, man. And you, you talk about follow-up. I mean, you talked about doing follow-up and you're not even just saying, and I think that's one of the biggest problems again. And we're just kind of going back to what we do, which is lead gen, right? So many times people get an application then they won't get docs or they'll get docs and they, then they don't, you know, they can't get someone into contract. And it's like, well, I love the fact that like every step of this process, you have a follow-up system in place that is structured in a way that you know, allows you to, to, to do your business, but still have these blocks of time. And I think that's super pivotal for people. And, and I think so that's so what you're saying is you're literally hitting your entire pipeline of, you know, pre-approved buyers every single week, right? Because you do so, a third on so, Monday, a third on Wednesday and a third on Friday, or how's that work? It's literally, it's literally a text message. And um, the goal is to, how long does it take us to send a text message? A couple seconds, seconds, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that's literally it. And a lot of them you can, is you're sending the same message to. So literally I'll go through and I'll, um, I'll pick, you know, the oldest 25 on Monday, the next oldest 25. It's, it can be whatever you want to, um, but make sure you're reaching out. Cause I guarantee you, if you're not doing it, somebody else is right. Either someone else is in their ear or guess what? They've, they've seen a Super Bowl commercial and, you know, they've seen that push button get mortgage and they think, well, right. maybe if it's that easy, I can do. No, there you need to stay connected to your borrowers. Even if even if like once a month, I, I'll have uh, I'll send a follow up email to some people that we're doing credit repair for just to follow up with them. Hey, how's it going? Are you having any luck? You know, because we I don't refer people out for credit repair. Um, personally, I think it's a kind of a waste of money. Sure. So um, I think if, if you can get yourself into that mess, you can get yourself out. So I'll say, hey, you know, I'll detail them what they need to do and I'll follow them 30 days. If they're following up on what I do in 30 days, no, I'll put once a month. But I can do that because, you know, our company allows me the time to do that. You know, one of the things that I pride myself on is when we structure loans and we put them into underwriting, you know, our office goal is, you know, one to two borrower conditions when it comes out of underwriting. And when that happens, guess what? Everything else is so much smoother. And then at the very end of it, it's, you can go to that referral partner, say, see how smooth that is? I want all your business. Go to the listing agent. I want all your business. But, but that's my strategy. And, um, for for loan officers, hey, if you want to work forty hours a week, nine to five, man, you're not going to make. Uh, you're not going to. You want to have primo income, you got to work the extra hours. You know, yeah, I love that. 
I love that, man. Let's let's pivot a little bit into. I know you've done a lot with um, you know real estate agents, referral partners, things like that. And, and one of your sort of value adds to them, obviously, is that it's a smooth transaction. It's interesting yeah. that you said that because uh, you know we've had a, another guy on this podcast before who talks about like you know what would you do with an extra ten to fifteen hours? What should you do with an extra twenty five hours a month if we were able to, to to save you that much time on your transactions, right? And so that's like the way he framed it. And so it's cool that you you kind of have that same thing. Look how smooth this was. Look how great this yeah. process was. But what else is it that you can do that? Um, you know, are, are you able to to get more transactions uh, just by going through the real estate agent? No, I, and and this is one of those things that I I think that a lot of real estate agents aren't, or a lot of loan officers aren't doing. You need to look at it like for every lead that we get in um, from your system, or what it doesn't matter what system you're getting. For every lead that you get in on, um, you need to if they already have their real estate agent, you need to go make that real estate agent your agent. Right. And when you close, you need to ask that real estate agent for a referral for one of their clients. And you need to ask that borrower for a referral for one of their friends, because chances are, if they're buying, they know somebody else that needs to buy or refinance. And so for every like I tell my guys, hey, um, for every lead that you get in through Paragon, you need to, when it closes, you need to ask for that referral from the real estate agent because we're going to send it to a new real estate agent. That's right. kind of the thing. And then you need to ask for the referral from the borrower. So you should get two other deals. So it's three deals for every active lead that you have. When you can do that, guess how valuable it is. The guy that I'm doing three loans for, I got him through your system. And um, one, of my, one of my better referral, one of my better referral bars isn't even a real estate agent. He's the chief of police or the former chief of police for a little city in, in Northeast Arkansas called Truman. I did a, a refinance for him for $60,000. This guy sends me every person that he comes into contact with. Hey, you need to call my mortgage guy. Hey, you need to call him. You need to buy a house. You need to call Cooper. And yeah, I awesome. love him. I love him to death. Um you need to ask for the referral. There's nothing wrong with asking for referrals. And what do you do for an extra 10, 15 hours a week? You know, do you want to spend that with your family? Do you want to spend that? But it's work smarter, not harder. Right, and right, right. You work hard, but don't try and reinvent the wheel. You know, what I'm doing is I, I literally ask two or three loan officers that had a bunch of success in there. What are you doing to be super successful? And we're not talking about like little loan. We're talking about like 60, 70, $80 million a year producers. And I was like, what do you, how do you do this? And all I did was copy it. That's all I did. And, but you know, it's not easy. You got to put the work in and, but for anybody, I think this is going to be easy, man. You're, you're lying to yourself. So I love that, man. I think that's huge. The success leaves clues, right? I mean, that's that's one of the, you know, it's kind of a, a standardized or, or kind of a cliche it, saying. Hey, didn't Kobe Bryant model his game after Michael Jordan? And isn't he pretty like, much? Yeah. I mean, what what's what's the point of reinventing the wheel? So yeah, well, yeah, that's right. And we're we're all standing on shoulders of giants, right? I mean, everything that has been done is, you know, it's just been done, right? And so the truth is that like you can the shortcut to success, the shortcut to the top is is you know, finding what what the successful people are doing and modeling it, right? Like, you know, maybe not necessarily ripping it off word for word or whatever, but like, hey, what is what what are they doing on a daily basis? How are they structuring their day? What are they yeah. what are they talking about? Who are they talking to? What is their yeah. what is their model? And and replicate it and and do it, make you it your own. Just, you and I just got talking about you know the Scotsman's guy came out not too recently, and there is a certain internet mortgage company that is about to go bankrupt because you know they have a bunch of guys on there, but 
you know, they live so great through the refi boom that now they need purchase business. Well, right. How do you go get part? They're starting from scratch. Right. Right. You know, you know, it's doing little bitty things every day, day after day that builds success. You know, if you can wake up every day and say, I want to be 1% better, what will you be in a year? Yeah, man, I love that. And I think you hit it right on the head, right? It's thinking about this as a long-term game and thinking about this, because again, I mean, we all knew that there wasn't, there was no way that the race were going to stay at, you know, whatever the twos and threes that we we saw that for the last two years. I mean, it was yeah. artificially low. And so, you know, to, to prepare for that, obviously, you know, uh, no, no harm, no foul. If you did a bunch of refis, because, Hey, guess what? Yeah. You should do refis, man. You should get that money while you can. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But that being said, like, you know, there's so many people that start to neglect their real estate agencies. And I made a couple of jokes on Facebook over the last couple of weeks of just like you know, <laughs> of, of that. And so, you know, some people like it. Some people are like, you know, they're hurt you, a little bit by you it. Make jokes on Facebook. No. Yeah, right. Some people get offended though, man. People get offended about all kinds of different things, man. So it's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting sort of a, a, a game we're in now. And obviously we're going into a, a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a slowdown, but yeah, obviously not all the refinance transactions are going away. The, it's harder to get people into contracts. So it is, it's going to be a little bit tougher to do it. But that being said, if you have processes in place and it sounds like, you know, a lot of what you do is just, is, it revolves around systems and processes yeah. uh, versus yeah. being reactive, which again, and this is something I find myself in because I'm, uh, you know, the personality and, and, and I guess it's an excuse really that like, I'm just kind of this, you know, free flowing idea, you know, idea guy and I'm a sales guy. And, and it's just like, well, you know, structure isn't great for me, but I just know when I have that structure in place, I'm able to get things done, which then builds confidence, which then, you know, it's that, that momentum thing. And so just kind of getting out of that mindset that like, I need to respond to emails in four minutes. I need to do all these things. It's like, okay, cool. Like, yes, you, you can do that during the context of like your frameworks, but like, during your hours, your hour that you're calling leads, you call leads the whole hour. I mean, assuming yeah. that's that's kind of how you structure it, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. If, if you're going to sit down and you're going to structure your day and say, hey, I'm going to call leads from 4.30 to 6 o'clock. Don't sit there and call 4 or 5 and say nobody answers again and get upset about it because no one answers or it didn't go good. And, oh, I'm going to quit today. And I'll go do I'll do the rest tomorrow. No. You set it on your calendar that you're going to do it till 6. Do it till 6. Because you never know when that one look, it takes one loan to make some money, right? Mm. How many people do you have to call to get it? And I guarantee you, if they filled that out, they're looking to buy a house. Right. So, or they're looking for some, they're looking for something. Otherwise, they wouldn't fill it out. Now, will people tell you to go away and leave them alone and they're going to threaten to, you know, file a lawsuit? Believe me, nine every day, guy restraining order. But <laughs> at the same time, is that for every one person, you don't need to look at that at that one lead as one person, one transaction. You need to look at it as three. So if I got one borrower that's looking for a two hundred thousand dollar house, and is that really just one, or could that be three deals for six hundred thousand dollars? And what does that money look like? So right, again, right, right. Well, it, and then you can take that even. I mean, you can take that even farther, right? You can say, hey, you know what? Like, and these people are probably going to have a trans, you know, five to seven transactions over their lifetime. So how do yeah. I also capture that, right? And again, yeah. I think that all comes down to follow-up too. Do you have any sort of longer term follow-up that you're doing with people? I mean, you know, you, you talked about one guy, you've done three uh, loans somewhere. What's that look like? I, so 
what I try to do, and goes back again, it goes back to making friends, not sales. Um, one of the things that I, I kind of gotten away from and I need to start doing again is um, I will go to the closings and I take the picture. And if you're a loan officer that doesn't go to closings, you need to, especially on some of them that you really kind of hold the hand through the bar, those first time home buyers. I'll go to those closings. One of the things that, and I'll share it to Facebook and everything. And, you know, I, I make sure I tag them on Facebook and then we're all kind of connected and, you know, it pops up on your memories and stuff. Right, like right. Um, one of the things we're torn around doing, I, and I was going to ask you about this, one of the things I'm torn around doing is hiring a um, person or start videoing closing. Because I, I literally had one that I got um, last July and we closed her in November and four banks told her no. And her husband, her husband had died. Four banks told her no, couldn't get it done. DTI too high. Um, we got her closed, and she broke down and started crying at the closing table. And I and I'm wondering from a marketing from a marketing perspective, do you start going and, cl- and videoing those closing, capturing that raw emotion? I think you could, obviously, with within the context of making sure you have the permission to do it and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, and obviously, because that's that's a that's a pretty raw emotion. Not everybody wants to to, to kind of display yeah. that for the world to see. But I do think yeah. there's there's a way that you can, you know, one at the very least, leverage it for testimonials, right? And you could even do it go so far as to say, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to leave the room. Here's a couple mm-hmm. things that I'm asking you, and, and obviously, you want to make sure they're they, they know up front. You don't want the like yeah, ambush yeah, yeah. them that's at the closing. Problem table like i have a i have a camera like can you say a couple because they're gonna freeze up it's like but but if you say hey you know what is it is it okay if if after you know after uh you know the closing or before the closing you can say a couple words to the camera or i can even interview and coach you into the sort of questions that i'm uh, that i want to to ask and then they can be you know prepared for that right and and you know a lot of times what we do um you know for testimonials obviously with 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 loan officers like we just do an interview like this just a little zoom call and and we just kind of ask questions because people feel weird when they have to like hold up a camera, you know, and I'm a marketer, right? So like, to me, it's supernatural. It's just something I've been doing for, yeah. for, you know, years now, but even looking back at my videos from, you know, four or five years ago, and I was like, hi, my name is Luke. It's just horrible. Right. And so it is actually better if you can coax them and have sort of a, a step-by-step process or, or a, you know, a set of questions that you want them to hit. And, and I think some of the things you can consider too, is what, what are the, the problems that other of your first time home buyers are having, right? Use those as objection handlers for the future. So let's say someone else is having that. Oh yeah. I had this, this, you know, Susie, my, my, uh, this, this other person had the same exact problem. You want to check out, you know, here's a video of her telling her story and how we were able to solve that. That problem. And so you can actually handle some of these objections that people throw at you just by showing them a story or even just telling the story. Oh man, I I totally understand why you feel that way. But just, just so you know, we, we did this loan for Susie. She had the same situation as you. We were able to get this structured and get her into a home because, and again, that's so powerful to be able to tell stories. I mean, you know, one of the, the, the strongest, you know, st- telling stories is one of the most powerful ways to kind of get your point across because instead yeah. of telling them something, uh, you're, you're showing them an actual yeah. truth or an actual story that's happened. So it's just a, a lot more powerful, right? We, so it's we definitely always, huge. We always ask for the review, um, either through social survey or we, we I do Zillow because I think, you know, more home buyers go to Zillow yep. than the other website. So I always ask for the Zillow review. Um, been, told that I'm a little uh, pushy when it comes to asking for the Zillow review because I will send that email 10, 12, 15 times. <laughs> Imagine that. The follow-up yeah. guy sends emails yeah. a lot, huh? Oh, but but at the same time, you know, I tell them I, that's honest feedback that I can use because if it's not a perfect transaction, tell me because that's right. where I'm using. I, I need that coaching. I need to know what I can improve on. Um, 
but asking for the review, there's nothing wrong with it. And and I think right. a lot more people need to do it. Like if you go to Zillow or you go to, you look at, you know, there's very few, there's very little movement in that top two pages of the Zillow um, mortgage lender review, even with realtor or anything. So, you know, for one thing to remind you guys, you know, the first thing we do is we set up their Zillow review page. That's the first thing we do because then when they close that transaction, now one thing we do is we do ask for the review before the closing. That's what yeah, I was going to say. Cool. Do it when they're in the emotional state as well, because once, yeah. they're, once they're done, they can be like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, and also the value of a service over time, you, you, you don't see the same values you did right away. Right. So that is another, just a psychological thing you got to think about is people, the people start to, to devalue in their minds, the value of a service over time. And so you do want to get yeah. them when they're like the most pumped up, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then again, emotional, right. We talk about, you know, people, people buy emotionally and then justify it with logic, but uh, it's kind of the same thing with, with reviews. Right. And I, I called a lady yesterday to let her know that she's clear to close and uh, my assistant was giving me crap for it because uh, I called her and said, hey, I got good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? She was, Love it. She was give me the bad news. So well, the bad news is you got to pack up all your stuff and move it out of that, of that apartment because you're clear to close to close in your house next week. And she's like, why are you messing with me? She was, I didn't... <laughs> Whole time for something bad. Man, uh, she goes, well, What's the good news? I said, The good news is you get to, to buy your house and get to close next week. She goes, That's great. I said, I'm perfect. Your cash to close is X. And if you don't mind, I sent you a Zillow review to kind of give, I want you to give your honest feedback on this whole transaction. And if you could do that for me, it would, I'd greatly appreciate it. And I'll see you next week at your closing. And that's kind of how that conversation goes. And, you know, they give me crap because she goes, well, these days you're getting somebody a heart attack. I said, no, I'm not going to give you a heart attack. Because <laughs> it's, it's fun and it's a way to, to cut the tension. Obviously. Yeah, I and love it. it. You know, that that's just part of it. So I, I want to ask you this. How are your other loan officers dealing with, um, you know, the rising rates? And um, I know the New York uh, president of New York uh, Federal Reserve was talking about, you know, rates being, you know, almost 10% by the end of 2025. How are your other, you know, loan officers that you're connected with, how are they dealing with with the rising rates? I mean, I think I think part of it is, and, and we just actually talked about this uh, yesterday. I had a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Hammer Helmer, but he is used to be former yeah. loan officer. Uh, now he does a lot of rate updates, things like that. And part of it is just having those upfront conversations with them, and and, and not allowing them to get that sort of rate shock, right? Because it's going to be inevitable. But but I think it was probably harder in January, February when the rates just skyrocketed. Where whereas like it's been in the news cycles for a while that rates are going up. So I think that the the, the way you want to approach it is don't. Try Try to like brush it under the rug or whatever, and then just not have that conversation. It's like, you know, tell me, like, what do you, what do you think rates are? What do you think rates are currently? You know, yeah. and at, get them to tell you because that, then they're like, oh, well, I think it's three, three percent, right? Like, okay, well, you know, or they're going to say, oh, you know, I saw on the, I saw on the news is six percent. Okay, cool. You don't have to really get too deep into that conversation with the person because, you know, but again, you want to ask those questions and let them tell you because otherwise, you, you may be putting fear into someone that you don't need to put fear into or, uh, you know, but at the same time, but you do want to have that conversation because I do think that, uh, you know, some people are still going to be maybe stuck in, in 2021, right. With, with the fact that they still think rates are super low. And, and I think that's the big thing. And, and obviously, you know, obviously it's, it's hurting affordability. People are having to, you know, potentially do lower pre-approvals, things like that. But I mean, you know, there's nothing you can really control with that other than, you know, the, the conversation, right? So it's like, hey, have the conversation with them, let them know up front. Maybe you got to, you know, switch products. I think sometimes, you know, I think 
coming up here, you know, arm products might be the, the thing that people get into. I mean, you know, depending on their situation. We just opened you know. up two brand new arm products and one of them I'm, I'm trying to get the guys to push through leads to come through because nine times out of 10 leads that do come through, they need some sort of down payment assistance instead of going sure. through the bond program, which, you know, that's a, a you Even know, high rates. That's a slow, hurtful process. Um, we're doing it as a, it's called a wealth builder loan. And the way that we're we're talking about it is if you know first time home buyer buys a house they're in for five years. And so if you're buying it five years and you you know two hundred thousand at whatever rate, you know if your principal and interest payment is this, you know most of that's going to interest. Well, our product is twenty year. So I said, and then we kind of phrased the conversation was, I want you to imagine that you're five years from now you you purchased your home from me five years ago, and now we're we're four years later. Because we did this 20-year loan, this 20-year, and it's an arm loan, it's fixed for the first five and then readjust, but you move out after four, look how much equity you'll have for the down payment on your next one. And that's kind of what what we're selling. But yeah, the arm products are starting to come back. And I got a call this morning about a balloon loan and and that's where it's going to start to get dangerous is when you have a bunch of people that are in adjustment rate. Right, right. Yeah, negams, things like that. And that's something we don't necessarily yeah. want to want to go down that road. But I, I do think there's and it makes sense, right? I mean, every five to seven, most most consumers or most home buy, home owners move every five to seven years, right? So to think really truthfully, are they ever gonna really live out a 30-year loan? I don't think the majority of people are. Yeah, some people do. Um, yeah. and, and you know, maybe in a raising right environment, people are gonna be a little bit more hesitant to move. But that being said, I just think ask, there's this. Go ahead, man. Let me ask you a question because I want to. I want to follow up on that statement right there. So the, most home buyers move every five to seven years. Of what you just said, I, as far that, as I know, don't don't quote me on that. Okay, but, <laughs> but do you think that there's going to be some some fluctuation in that number considering the the people that bought two years ago when their rates are you know their FHA rate is two and a quarter now? Do you think they're that prone to move? You know, three years from now when the rates are just just say they're six. Or the FHA is like, do you think they're like, or do you think they sit there and reevaluate their situation? And go, we really don't need. I know our family's growing, and I know I kind of need to move because we need more space, but we have a really good view where we are. Do you not think that right, puts right. some hesitation in that? I think short term it could potentially. And obviously, I'm not a loan officer. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in there every day, and I don't, I don't know the markets like like some of you. But I, I do think that there's going to be a normalization of like this rate, right? And, and whether it continues to go up like crazy or not, like people are, are ultimately there's life changes, right? And people have to move. There's there's nothing that can stop that. It might, you know, obviously it's going to potentially reduce the amount of transactions that happen. But who knows? I mean, people people are still thinking that uh, it's going to be a record breaking year as far as purchase transactions this year, right? So there's still plenty of yeah. business to be had. Um, again. You know, yeah, people also talk about rates still being low up till 2023. So we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. But that being said, I, I do think that, you know, as rates go up, yeah, there's that shock initially, but then it turns into the normal. It's just status quo. And so I don't I don't think that there's going to be, you know, that that big issue, especially if you you structure your business the right way. Is there going to be some people that are falling out of the business? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, we're already yeah. seeing it. We see it with better mortgage. We see with a lot of these big box lenders, they're laying people off, they're laying operation staff off, they're laying, you know, even loan officers that are start hitting production numbers that need that they need and, and you know we're, we talk about margin compression but at the end of the day like that's that's all things that you can't control and so what do you get to control you get to control yourself you get to control your processes you get to control those conversations you have and ultimately that's that's all you can do as a loan officer right 
Well, one of the things I'm trying to do, and this is this was kind of my goal that I set in uh, December, because because I didn't know when rates were going to go up, but I figured they right. would. So um, I started looking for for non conventional ways to to go get business, and we have sure. um, Northeast Arkansas. There's there's two or three smaller banks that don't have mortgage departments, and so I started the conversations with um, mm-hmm. uh, with those the owners of those banks. When I say they're they're small local banks, I mean they're maybe like 10 branches around the state. I mean, they're sure. small. Hey, can I be a referral partner for all your more for all your depositors that need mortgages? Now, I know you don't have a mortgage department. Why don't you let me be your mortgage department? Why don't you mm-hmm. why don't you let me do it? And so far, we've gotten about seven referrals off of that and two nope. closed loans. But it's something, it's another form of pipeline of business that we can add to everything else because at right. the same time. If they're going in there, the next person they're going to go talk to is a real estate agent. Well, if they right. talk to me, I can then refer them out to a real right. estate agent. It's, right. It goes the same way as if you reach out to, um, I think every loan officer, you need a referral partner that is, this is going to sound really bad, but you need a referral partner that's a financial advisor and you need a divorce attorney as your referral partner. I was actually just going to bring that up was those, those two things are huge. Uh, I mean, cause you think about like financial advisors, they see behind the books and divorce. I mean, again, that's a life life circumstance that I was just yeah. talking about, right? Like people are going to have to move. It's just, it's just part of, it's just part of the, the normal real estate market. But yeah, I mean, financial advisors doing products like reverse mortgages, arm loans, uh, you know, things like that just has to come into play, right? You know, the, the conventional a paper buyers with 20% down, like, you know, maybe those are still going to be, those are still going to be there, but you know, they're yeah. maybe not going to be as, as far, you know, as many of them. And who knows? Again, and this is all uh, this is all speculation. But I do think, again, just being able to pivot into into what markets we're in is, is going to be probably the biggest key to to succeeding in a market like this. And again, I'm I'm you know I'm just saying this as as an entrepreneur and someone that understands that like you know sometimes you need to pivot and sometimes you know and I know you know just talking with so many loan officers that have been through the 2007-8-9 you know crash that have been through a lot of these ups and downs. It's all about yeah. kind of pivoting and also noted knowing that like hey some years is just going to be small years. You know, build your business around that versus versus getting super fat and one spending a bunch of money or two um you know investing in a ton of you know having so much overhead and having so many staff that you can't hang which is you know which is what a lot of these guys have done is a lot of the big banks and things like that they just they staff up knowing that at some point they're going to have to eliminate you know, a lot of those jobs and which is unfortunate but that's just how they they run their businesses and you know I think yeah. as loan officers you can be a little bit more cognizant to to that sort of reality uh, versus just getting super fat and just say oh well we this is how much volume we have now let's just hire 10 people um yeah. knowing that you probably are going to have to fire five of them in, in 6 months cuz the rates might go up whatever right so loan officers you need to be prepared and I was telling one that works for our company right now that you know he's been doing the same amount of business for the past 4 years it, it's <laughs> it's always the same same amount of loan same amount of volume. I said, well, how much do you reinvest into your business? He goes, what do you mean? I was like, how much do you set aside of every paycheck that you're going to do for your lead generation marketing or whatever it is? How much do you reinvest? None. Why not? How do you, if you're not willing to invest in yourself and your business, why would you expect it to grow? The best, I, w- I tell everyone, the best sales book I ever read is um, by that guy named Ryan Serhan that is on the million real estate guy. Yeah. 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 He sold $1.5 billion of real estate. He knows something that knows how to sell something. A seller like search book. I give it to every new person I meet um, that, you know, I want to hire. I give it to a guy yesterday that he's thinking about getting real estate. They're getting his uh, loan officer license. I was like, here, read this book. 
read this book and tell me this is what sales are. Because again, make friends not sales, but at the same time is you need to know how to have those conversations. Right. Um, and if as a loan officer, if you can't reinvest in your business, and that's where I got that was in that book was, you know, he re- he reinvests 10% of his total revenue every year back in his business. Reinvest in your business and sit back and maybe go to somebody like go to your branch manager, go to your regional manager and ask him, hey, you or somebody that's been in the business for a while that you have respect for. Can you give me an honest criticism of how what things I could be doing better and don't get offended on it. Don't don't get mad at it. You know, sit there and, and take a grain of salt and literally listen to constructive criticism. Um, you know, the best people in the world need coaches. Michael Jordan needed Phil Jackson to coach him because guess what? He won zero rings without him. Second right. Phil Jackson got there and started coaching him. How many rings did he win? Six. Right. It, right. You got to be able to take some constructive criticism because none of us do it personally. My regional person was, I asked him that the other day and he said, Cooper, you need to quote unquote, learn how to diversify your time a little bit more or learn how to pivot if you need to do it, because I told you, my calendar says this, this is what I'm doing. Right, Cooper, right. You need to learn how to pivot and where you can drop this and pick it up and then come right back to it. I'm OCD. I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, that's what you need to do more so than ever. Also, I need to get away from my, what I call guerrilla marketing, where you know I, I leave tomorrow to go to Northwest Arkansas. And so I have a closing in the morning and I have four meetings you know, boom, 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 boom. Friday, I have five meetings and Saturday, I have some meetings. And then I won't get back out there to do meetings or do real estate agents for a while. Goes, you need to learn to get away from that because when you do that, you wear yourself out. I've seen, he goes, I see it in you. I'm like, okay, I'll take that under consideration and I'll try to make the necessary changes. And so, right. you no, know, reinvest in your business and, and take constructive criticism. I'm always looking for somebody to tell me things I can do better. Because if I can do something better, believe me, I'm going to do it. And, you know, one loan officer told me, he goes, you know, right now, while the times are, well, they're not lean, but they're leaner, you, right. know, you, you know, adjust your living costs a little bit. That way you can make it to win, you know, rate, you have a little bit of break or markets a little bit of, break, you know, survive. Um, so that's what, mm-hmm. you know, I started doing six months ago and, and the wife and I are, are doing great. And um, I love it. I love yeah, it, man. And, and what I was going to end with, you know, as we're kind of wrapping this up, I was going to actually ask you, you know, what is one, one tip, one strategy, something that, that you do. And I, and I, you just dropped that. You just dropped that. Right there. I think that's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect way to end. Right. I think because it, yeah. it is, it's true. Like, you know, we've, we've given some tips at the beginning. You talked about follow up, things like that, but that's perfect. Right. Like uh, reinvest in your business. And then also, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, feedback is not a bad thing. I think so many times people no. view feedback as a bad thing. And the truth is feedback it's is the only a, way to grow. Right. It's not, it's not a personal attack. It's if someone's willing to give you feedback on something that means they care. Right. Well, and even if it is negative, like think about this, even if it is negative feedback, like maybe it's not all true, but there's probably a half truth in there somewhere, somewhere around, along there. And so like just taking that with a grain of salt and knowing, okay, well, maybe not, that's not fully true, but what can I do to improve those things that that person, because ultimately perception is reality, right? So if someone perceives yeah. something in you, it doesn't matter what you think or what the truth is, it, all that matters to them is that that's how they see it. Right. And so change the way you, you, you see feedback, I think, is probably a really good point. One of the best places you can go get feedback is your referral partners. Mm-hmm. Hey, Smart. Um, Smart. how did you like the way that I handled this, especially new one? 
How do you like the way that I handled this transaction? Did I, some real estate agents want you to over communicate. Some real estate agents want you to under communicate. They don't care. Right. They just want right. to see you to make sure it gets a closing. After right. that, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm doing that. It's hard and it's hard to hear when it's not, I do a great job. I know I'm the greatest loan officer in the world. And someone tells you, you know, well, you really didn't communicate with me the way I like, oh, Right, right. It hurts to hear. And so just know forward, I needed to be better. But again, 1% better every day, a year from now, you're 365% better. Yeah. What I, and I love that you said that because I just, you know, I just had some leadership uh, feedback from my team um, yeah. and, and, you know, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And of course, the first thing I start seeing is like, oh, here's the negative things. And, and, and the, the funny thing is like, none of it shocked me. It was all things that I knew, but to see it in writing was like a gut punch of like, ah, oh, crap. Like these are things that I've told myself, but the seat and writing was the best thing for me because it like, it basically forced me to, to yeah. make changes on those things that I've known I've had to make changes for. So yeah. again, I mean, regardless, like let it, let it hit you in the stomach, you know, let it, let it freaking you know, hurt you for a little bit and then move on and then change the things that, that, you know, are, are you know, causing I'll, issues. So I'll, and I'll end it with this. Cause I think this is um, we're in a weird time right now. And so a lot of people I got asked about a month ago, you know, how, how do I define success in a real estate in, in our market? And, you know, total money, like how you make or told you, um, I asked a new loan officer, how, how do you want to, what do you have to do to be successful in this business? Because I want to make hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, okay, how do you do it? Let's reverse engineer this. How many loans do you have to close? Oh, I don't know. How many real estate do you need? I don't know. So I told him, you're thinking about this the wrong way. Chase success and the money will have follow. Chase the units and the volume will follow. If your goal is for 150 units this year, sit down and figure out how many units every month you got to close to get that. And you'll right. eventually get there and plan it out because it doesn't matter if it's a $77,000 transaction or if it's a, you know, I saw the guy that got a million dollar pre-approval from, from the, the Paragon leads. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was jealous when I saw that one. Yeah, Man, yeah. I've never gotten that, but it, it comes down to it. They're all treated the same. They're chase success, chase success. Do not chase money because when you chase money, if you chase loan volume or, or loan size volume, you know you're you're not going to get to the to the end goal you want to. Ch- doesn't not matter how much loan is chase success, not money. That, well, I think I love it. And, and I think the, the you, you kind of pointed to this, but uh, leading versus lagging indicators too, right? Is so many yeah. times people are looking for that outcome, right? They want the outcome. And the truth is, yeah. do you know what gets you to the outcome? The outcome comes from these consistent actions over time, which leads mm-hmm. to that outcome, right? And so if you focus on the things you can control, which are the leading indicators, the the sales calls, the you know, the prospecting, the, the the blocking your calendar, all those things, the sales are going to come, right? But if you focus on just the sales, but don't do those actions, the sales probably won't come, right? So hey, that's like the, the double-edged sword. I'm the biggest criticism. I'm my own self-biggest critic. You know, I, this year, I said a huge goal for myself. I didn't put a volume number on it, but I said 200 closed transactions. And I'm for the year, I'm behind on that. And, sure. and I'm beating myself up on it. And my regional was talking to me uh, this morning and I was belly aching about how I'm behind on that and how I got to work hard. He goes, Cooper, because you're killing it. I go, right. Don't Celebrate. dwell on your, a lot of us have for super successful people. We will dwell on losses. We'll always forget about, man, I remember a loan that I had last year that I lost that I couldn't close and another lender did. And I dwell on that because I didn't have the skill to do it. And I right. made my better because of that. But, you know, at the same time, chase success, not units, 
Um, but don't dwell on your losses. Let your losses teach you something, but always learn on something because if you make the mistake the first time, you know, you know, that's a that's a lesson. You let it make a you make the same mistake the second time. Um, you know, that's shame on you. And right. If you right. want to learn on it, then there's no growth. But man, I, I've I've enjoyed it today, Luke. Yeah, awesome, man. And, and is there any like if, if someone wanted to reach out to you, I don't know, you know, if you're open to that, but oh, if man. anybody wants uh, to reach out so, to you. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm an old man. I'm, I'm, I have an Instagram, but I rarely check it, but you can find me on either. Facebook. Um, or I mean, if you want to Google Cooper Skelton, first trust home loans, um, uh, you can get my cell phone number. If you want to reach out, if anybody wants to reach out, have the conversation, shoot me a text, give me a call. I'm, I'm always open to, to have that conversation with people. Um, and uh, I love I love talking to people and other loan officers and learning about their business, because if I can, I'm always trying to pick something up from them. And so and I'm sure that, that you know, other successful people want to pick stuff up from me so we can all grow and all be great. That's awesome. As long as you're not in my market. So if you're, yeah. I don't want to make you buy my own market better. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's funny, man. Awesome, man. And and, and to, to everybody who's listening, you know, just again, kind of going back to the points that, that Cooper talked about prospects prospect daily, you know, do, do the actions that you, that you need to do, but then also be open to that feedback, you know, change the way that you're looking at your follow-up and the change the way you're looking at your business. And, and I think you're going to go a long way. So thank you so much uh, for being here, Cooper. And thank you for everybody who's listening. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans On Demand